You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I'm Jasper. And I'm Autumn. This is episode 56 of the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. And quite often the advice to authors is that you should be diversifying your revenue streams. And that might sound like good business advice, but what does it actually mean? And what other (laughs) revenue streams is available to you? So that's what we're going to cover today. I think this is going to be quite interesting, Autumn. Yeah, I think we're going to get into the nitty gritty, which I love. I love questioning these these overarching rules that you hear and you're like, that sounds great. I want to do that. How do I do that? I the, We're going to get into the what you can possibly do. Yay. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have a few options, should we call it, prepared, each yeah. of us. So we'll get into that a bit later here. That's right. So... I had this thing where I came home today and I had to share with you that um, I know you don't eat meat. And so this is not going to be attractive to you, but I walked into the apartment and it smelled like maple glazed bacon. And I was like, what? And so other people who do eat meat are going to be like, oh my God, this is not the way to come home to record a podcast. And you're hit in the face with this warm aroma of bacon. It's just wrong, but (laughs) um adam likes to my husband likes to um we're we're foodies so we like to make food and he recently got into um finding out that you can make your own bacon so um this is like with made with local locally grown meat (laughs) locally grown hogs um so it's all local produce with a maple espresso glaze um yeah, that was. <laughs> Came home decided, and like, Let me try that. <laughs> yeah, he's done it like once or twice before, but it's always been out. You know, he'll do it over a, a fire or a roast or a smoker or something to finish it off. But right. since we're in an apartment now and it's now December and it snowed, we had 30 inches of snow and it's a little cold. I think the high on Thursday this week is 18 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's really, that's below freezing. Um, yeah, he decided to try it in our, our apartment, which happens to have a gas range. So it's, yeah, it's not quite the same, but at least it is fire. It's not electric stove. Um, and yeah, I came home to the luscious aroma of bacon. And I've told you before, one of my favorite podcasts is Gastropod, which is all about food. And so I was like, wow, this is (laughs) my focus today is going to be on bacon. Sorry. Ah, Nice. Well, I mean, if he's he's used to cooking outside, so I guess you can't blame him too much. He doesn't understand what what in, an inside kitchen works, how that works. No, I guess I should just be happy he didn't decide to roast coffee because he has done that. He roasts his own coffee beans, and that is one of the smokiest processes I have ever stumbled across. And that is not something you want to do in an apartment unless you want the fire alarm to go off. So, just anyone else at home, do that outside. <laughs> <laughs> so how have you right, been how's your week going <laughs> uh, it's, been, it's been quite good um 
early in the week we uh, uh, we went with my oldest son because he was going to graduate mm. to a yellow belt in karate the, uh, this past week. So, oh uh, wow! Yeah, so we went there to to see it, and I'm I'm not quite sure why, but but we actually weren't allowed to watch the actual. You know, I don't know if you call it test, but you know the actual graduation, or you know they mm. they, they test that they know the stuff that they need to know, and we were actually not allowed to watch that. So we just had to sit outside in the common room waiting while they're doing. That. I don't know why we were not allowed to watch it, but it was a bit weird. You know, we were looking forward to go there and, and see it, and we brought his younger brother as well, and. and we sat out there for an hour or something, and the younger brother was starting to get really bored. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but it all went uh, went well in the end. Uh, so uh, apparently, during his testing, um, they figured out that he was too skilled for the yellow build, so they actually allowed him to skip the yellow and go straight to orange. So that oh was pretty gosh. cool. That's yeah. actually really cool. So it yeah. went well, even if it's a secret right that you couldn't witness. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And he, he was very proud, of course. And uh, oh, it was it was really nice to see him see him that happy. So so that was I think that was awesome. <laughs> oh, it sounded like I said I live vicariously through you as a parent. So I think that is just that would be it makes me feel warm and fuzzy just imagining like oh my gosh this is something. I produce that is doing so well. I don't know how that yeah. happened. So <laughs> that's fantastic. No, you need to uh, you, you need to allow your dog to start karate training or something. <laughs> um, as I'd like to joke, I have got to record him sometime to share with everyone the sound my dog makes because, as the breeder had said when she had her first litter of Carn Terrier puppies. Are they supposed to sound this way? They sound sort of like I call them a vampire dog. They don't growl. They don't bark. They it's it's this kind of seething. I'm going to possibly eat you and suck your blood. So I've got to get that for you someday. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be pretty cool. We can put it into an audiobook one day about with a vampire and then we'll <laughs> clip that in every time. <laughs> Great. <laughs> A week on the internet with the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. So I was thinking it worth mentioning that uh, some of our patrons are probably coming up on getting access to the What's in a Name course for free. That's right. Yeah, because after six months of support on Patreon, you actually get free access to this course, which is uh, in part about creating languages and names for your fantasy characters. So... I think there will probably be some Patreon supporters who are getting close to to get that access for free. So, you know, don't don't forget, dear Patreon supporters, to keep an eye on that and email us uh, when your time is up so that we can uh, get you into that course for free. And yes, it, it's, I, I uh, it's a useful maybe, Yeah, but I was just about to say that I would also think that some of them might not be too far off for getting a free Am Writing Fantasy t-shirt as well. I think so. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, that's the one year, isn't it? And there's a few people who have been there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be yeah. It's we have so many different, you know, people subscribed at different tiers and coming at different times. That that's why we ask them to keep track. But 
they are there. So yeah, this is a great reminder to go in and check and see what day you joined and check your tier level and let us know if we owe you something because that's why it's there. We're excited to give it to you. And if you happen to send a picture, if you get a t-shirt, we'd be thrilled. Oh, <laughs> it's that would fun be to so see awesome. people wearing them. Yeah, I love seeing people um, yeah, for, you know, wearing. for a while before when we were recording uh, YouTube videos, I, I usually... Uh, yeah. I, I, I used to on. wear a t-shirt as well, but uh, nowadays on a podcast, it, it, it I don't think quite it matters that much. <laughs> if I'm in pajamas or not, it really makes no difference. <laughs> no, considering how late it is for you. I mean, it's only uh, mid-afternoon for me on the East Coast of the States, but for you all the way over there in Denmark, yeah, it's um, evening. So you could be wearing your pajamas and slippers and I wouldn't know. No, yeah, it's nine in the evening right now for me. So uh, yeah. yeah, wow. Um, yeah, but I also wanted to mention just that for everyone else who are not yet supporting us on Patreon, I would encourage encourage you to at least click the link in the show notes and, and check out all the rewards that we are offering for supporters. Because, you know, as a little, for as little as a dollar a month, you can get in there. And uh, I have to say that the money we can collect from Patreon is what will keep this possible podcast going long term and we are certainly not there yet at this point in time <laughs> where the funding <laughs> actually justifies the time that we're spending on these episodes so if you add just one dollar a month to the pot well then we won't end up in a situation where at some point in the future autumn and i have to start asking ourselves if our time is better spent on writing so i'll get off my soapbox there but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just that you know, one dollar might not sound like much, but it actually does make a difference if enough if if enough yeah. people get in. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's worth mentioning. Absolutely, and it's funny that you mentioned it because one of the uh, comments I'd really liked that had just come in is because I was still sharing on Patreon, um, going really in depth into the seven stages of story structure and really pulling out like which one each one means and how to make it all link up so you can create a better plot. And um, I know Zaid was like, you know, this is gold. Thank you. And the entire first act of my book is going to need a rewrite, even though I'm like, no, wait until you're done writing before you, you do that. But, <laughs> um, you know, we got into the cause and effect and the idea of this mini story that should help be, serve as an introduction. So it's just, it's great to be able to help someone else out and then also to get the feedback and be able to, you know, answer questions specifically to make sure things are going for well for how he's writing and what he needs. So again, that's all on Patreon. So it was really, it's a, so great to be able to connect with, um, you know, other members and other writers that way and help each other and guide them. So I know their stories are growing well too. And on to today's topic. All right. I feel like we raced through that. Uh, so uh, we already have <laughs> the, today's uh, topic now. Um, Excellent. With multiple streams of income. And uh, I, I guess the best place to start is just defining a bit about what does it mean when we're talking about oh, multiple streams yeah. of income and, and why are we talking about that? But do you want to kick us off with, <laughs> with that? <laughs> oh, just throw it on me. No, yeah, exactly. I thought that was the easiest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't never knew you to slack on anything. I'm shocked. <laughs> so, but I, I will take up the challenge. So multiple streams of income. I mean, this is not having multiple books. 
technically maybe if you have different genres you might want to consider it but this is like it's almost like having different jobs so you have books and you also maybe have your day job and then you have maybe your spouse's job you have different areas like big spheres of areas that provide some sort of income some money so that way if suddenly all ebook sales dried up you still have your own income or you know you still you're selling cross stitching or something something totally related or unrelated you know you could be doing literary cross stitch so those are ways of providing income to your family and to your business whatever that may be so that's what we're going to look at today when we say multiple streams of income you have different pots that you're going to be yeah. getting money into. And so they're different. They might overlap in some areas, but it's not as easy as saying, you know, I'm writing nonfiction and fantasy. It's, you know, there's still books. So we want to look at side, maybe the realm, the pot of books. Yeah. And basically the idea is sort of, um, well, one thing that is not very pleasant to think about is that mm. basically like having a, a day job, right? So you have one company paying your income or your salary in the case of a day job and something happens and they have like, they lay off uh, hundreds of people and you're one of them and all of a sudden you have no income. I mean, as an author, you're selling books and of course, I re very, very much doubt that Amazon is ever going to go bust. But uh, but they could decide on, in Amazon that wait, why are we paying authors um, this much royalty? Let's just say that from now on we pay authors 50% royalty. Mm -hmm. And if you are earning all of your money from Amazon or doesn't matter. It could also be Kobo or whatever, one of the other mm -hmm. uh, each, uh, what is it called, like online retailers, um, then you're going to take a very serious hit, you know, and if you're not prepared for that, then that will hurt just as much as it hurts getting laid off from a day job. But usually when you get a laid off for a, for a day job, and I, I do realize that probably here in over in Denmark, we have a bit, a bit better protection systems in place <laughs> than you have in the US. But, but at least over here, if you get laid off, uh, you will you'll get several months of, of pay uh, to make sure that you have some time to find a new job. But if Amazon tomorrow, and they could, decide to cut your royalties in half, they will just do so when there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. So the idea with multiple streams of income is not to... It's really not to find out, okay, so how can I earn as much as from selling books on something else, but it's more an idea of creating a lot of small streams that together gives you, uh, you know, a, a lot of revenue flowing in from different places that in total uh, earns you enough money. Um, but it's not that you have to come up with one thing. So that's not what we're talking about here, trying to find one mm -hmm. other stream of income that will earn you as much money as selling books. That's not the point, but it's more like trying to find what are some, smaller avenues here and there that you, you could potentially think about adding to you to the things that you are doing to earn a bit more money from different places so that in in total between all of the things that you're doing you get a healthy income and you are less dependent on one source so so that's the idea behind all of the stuff that we're going to talk about here i hope that was absolutely <laughs> no, no, that, that was perfect. And it was a good, yeah, good intro to why you want to do this. Because, you know, you, we don't control Amazon. We don't control these big sellers. You could, they could cut revenue. They could kick you off if they consider that you violated something. So there are many reasons that 
you know, it's why you and I are both, um, we're not just on KDP Select. We're not just selling on Amazon. We are both wide because, again, it's spreading out how you can find us and what happens if suddenly Kobo folds its, you know, Barnes & Nobles has become so close to closing its doors. It could happen. And with that happens, how is that going to affect where you sell your books if you were just selling them there? It's something to keep in mind. And this will hopefully, if you are considering becoming a career author or you're working towards that, this is something you want to do. You want to establish different income streams so that if something happens in one area, you know, hopefully the other one will be doing well enough. You also have some savings. You you have a safety net. And you're not going to lose everything overnight if suddenly, you know, Barnes and Nobles folds its doors, Amazon decides to cut everybody to 50% or 30% and keeps it really small. And suddenly you're like making a third or a half of what you did the day before it could happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, we're not making up these uh, scenarios here just to scare people because honestly, no. <laughs> it has happened several times. And, and I think if I look at the sort of the bus within the author community, it's mm-hmm. starting to happen more and more because uh, especially Amazon have put more and more, like say, automation and algorithms and bots in in place to actually trigger for fraud, basically, right? So they're mm-hmm. trying to determine automatically if certain accounts are basically cheating the customers, meaning, and so these are examples like uh, people uploading... Um, uh, crappy book files just to earn some money or whatever you know all those sorts of things but i've heard more and more that uh should we call them quote unquote real authors <laughs> have uh, <laughs> are getting hit by these bots and, and basically having their account suspended on amazon and stuff like that uh, and they have done nothing wrong uh, in far the most cases of course uh, once a human starts inter- intervening and they get somebody from amazon support to look at it their accounts are reinstated. But again, but just that can take months. Yeah. 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 Well, usually it goes quite quickly, to be honest. But but yeah. just imagine that the human being on the other end decides that no, actually I think the bot is correct and, and you are fortunate oh. for whatever reason. I mean you're you're done. And if, if this is your entire income, what are you gonna do then? Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, yeah I don't, don't want to scare people, but I just want to put it in perspective that we're just we're not making up you know scary examples for the fun of it here. It actually does happen. No. It does. And that's what it, that is why it is scary. And that's why you, as a business, you have to consider all the different income streams. So yeah, we'll stop trying to shake people into uh, terror. So before <laughs> we make them forget to even listen to the rest of the episode, let's give them examples. And you want to do what we did last time that we had some good feedback that we alternate. Um, yeah, I think that's, alternate that's a good habit. Yeah, it's a good habit. We've got right. yeah, so let's keep doing that. Okay, do you want to start with the biggest one or shall we start with the smallest and work our way up? Uh, I don't have mine in a particular order as big and small. I just have three different options. So for me, it does not matter. (laughs) Okay, let's go ahead and just pick one. You go ahead. Okay. Um, So I think if some authors might be thinking about doing things like, uh, you know, professional speaking coaching programs, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that is a very good way to supplement your income because, uh, well, at least after a while, you might get uh, thought uh, after as um, or asked for as a professional speaker. And if if that's the case, then uh, you're going to earn quite a healthy income from doing that. Um, But if that is something that you would like to do, 
it might very well be worth your time to write a nonfiction book on the topic that you want to teach. So mm-hmm. basically using, using a nonfiction book as your starting point to get, actually get into professional speaking or teaching or whatever it may be that you want to do. Because a nonfiction book cements your expertise uh, and it goes a long way to earn you some credits about what you're talking about. Because it, it's a bit funny because uh, a while back, and now this is quite a while back, I, I wrote a, a book on how to use Twitter. And uh, it was uh, quite a lot of people who picked up that book really liked it. And it had some really good strategies in it. And it it, it was in part what I used to uh, build quite a big Twitter following that that I still have today, of course. But uh, uh, and at that point in time, I actually did. uh, This is many years back, by the way. But I did reach out Mm -hmm. to. Or some local, you know, Dan- or oh, local, but in Denmark everything is local. <laughs> <laughs> it's very relative. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, re- I did reach out to some Danish uh, publishers uh, and basically used the book as a starting point, and then, then basically asked them. So if you if you want to have some course or some teachings for uh, the authors that you're working with on how to use Twitter to to build an audience, then, you know, I, I can do a course for you or come out to speak for you and or whatnot. So I tried to do that uh, as a, uh, kicking off a bit of additional revenue stream back then. Uh, it was, even, I think it was even before Autumn and I started working together, but, uh, mm-hmm. but so. then, yeah, as lo and behold, and this is probably the lesson learned, don't, don't, don't do stuff on, <laughs> on the basis of online <laughs> platforms because they change all the time. And I think I didn't, it didn't even take six months after I published the book uh, before Twitter changed their uh, terms of service, which meant that the entire strategy mm. that was like the bedrock of that entire book went out the window. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, it was just so annoying. But, uh, yeah, I learned my lesson there not to don't write things about other people's platform that they might change any day. Um, so... But anyway, that, that was a good lesson, and uh, <laughs> the idea still holds true. If, if, but try to pick something that you have maybe an expertise in already. That's probably best, but also something that um, that you can teach regardless of, uh, yeah, somebody changing the terms of service. <laughs> Exactly. So more like if you're an awesome crime writer, of course, I don't know why you're listening to our podcast on fantasy writing if you're a crime writer, but say you're an awesome crime fiction writer and you're just really good at creating really fantastic, dubious villains that no one would ever guess. And you wrote a book about how you do that. That would be, and then you could go, maybe there's a lot of great crime writers conventions and workshops, and there's a lot you could do there that you would be invited to go speak to, or you could sign up to go and speak at and give talks on. So that's sort of, you know, it doesn't have to be just because like how to use a platform, but if you're really good, if you created some innovative way of doing something, that's also Hmm. a good starting point. It doesn't just have to be the writing style. But yeah, so it could be anything from how to write something to how to do something on a platform. Just be careful. It's a platform that doesn't completely change everything <laughs> Yeah, every few months. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I heard on another podcast, there was this guy who uh, he, I don't remember. I think he was actually writing thrillers or something, but, but that's beside the point. But, but he used to mm. be a police officer. So he actually oh, wrote some nonfiction books about how police procedures works. 
Uh, and then mm. he was teaching other writers about um, how, how to, you know, make the whole release procedures and books uh, come come across as, as realistic uh, and not do all the mistakes. But it doesn't have to be about books either, you know, uh, the, the nonfiction. Maybe maybe you write fantasy in your spare time and in the daytime you are a real estate agent or something. And maybe you can write a nonfiction book about something related to real estate agency or something. And and then yeah. that's what you want to teach and, and earn some some extra income uh, as, a, as an extra stream of income on, on the side for, for doing that. I mean, it does not have to be related to writing at all, it, it, but you could look at what, what are you good at and, and consider if that's something you could maybe make a bit of a side income on in one way or another. Absolutely. That's, mm. Yeah, that's very true. I like that one. And definitely something to think about it thinking of some of the things I do and I'm like, yeah, I have some nonfiction books on, Hey, I'm coming out with one on our traveling across the United States. So that's technically yeah, a secondary stream. There and you, you do cover designs <laughs> as well, which is also yeah. like a, a, another stream of income. Right. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And it's so much fun. All right. So my number one is sort of funny because it sort of takes away the problem on if Amazon decided to cut your revenue and that's doing direct ebook and signed paperback sales from your website. So mm. this is something that you either need to have a little bit of expertise to set up to be able to create the website and be able to take money like through PayPal or Stripe and get all that interaction set up. But I will say that if you use WordPress and even Squarespace have some really easy uh, plugins and platforms to be able to do online sales. You have to have your own domain. You can't be using WordPress.org, the one that's free. If you're using that, they will not allow you to sell and do stuff like that on your website. But if you're if you own your own domain and you get it set up this way, it is a hundred percent possible to go ahead and sell directly to your readers, sign paperbacks, which obviously you're going to charge a little bit more than you'd buy it off of Amazon for. And you can do ebook sales and the brilliant, brilliant, brilliant thing. This sounds so complicated, but BookFunnel, I hate to give this secret away. BookFunnel has made an interaction integration with a couple of funding sources where if you happen to be already a member of BookFunnel to send out your art copy or to get people to join your mailing list, they're already set up to be the source file for when people buy your ebook. And you just need to do these integrations that the first time you do it, you go like, oh my gosh, I do not know what I'm doing. But once you figure it out or you hire someone to figure it out for you, you can sell books. And that's just not only is it exciting because you get 100% of the proceeds, 100% royalties, which is just awesome. And then you can send that to your newsletter and explain why they're doing this. And most readers are savvy enough to say, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. I will go there and buy the file and give you, you know, 100% of the royalties. So when you're talking about a $3.99 or $4.99 book, that's fantastic. That's that's wonderful that you're getting 100% of the royalties. And then you can do some really cool things. Like the last time I released a book, I released it early on my website to kind of entice people to go there and buy it off of from me. Or, you know, I can offer a sale that I'm still getting better percentage than Amazon, but it's still a slight discount. So there's lots of really cool things when you suddenly own the platform where you're selling your books from. So you might be mm. able to tell I'm kind of excited about this one because I've had a ton of fun and it's been very successful and it's still growing. So it's 
a fantastic way of managing where you're selling your books so that you don't have to worry about what Amazon does. Obviously, most people are still finding my books on Amazon or through other sources like that. But once they find me and join my mailing list, my newsletter, and some of them spontaneously see that you can buy the books right off my website, it's a fantastic way of getting a secondary income that I control 100% of. And it's not as painful as some people might imagine to start off with. No, but I think there was a keyword in there that is really, really Mm. important among what you said. Uh, And that is the email list because... Mm-hmm. selling your books direct i would say, i would say at least from my point of view it's more or less pointless and useless unless you have a good email list because just just because you put your books up on, on your website with a purchase link on nobody's going to buy it. nobody's going to find it <laughs> especially because no, they're on amazon find you first yeah, because at least on Amazon, they, they might be searching for search terms like, uh, I don't know, whatever, fantasy book or whatever, you know. And 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 if you have the right keywords in your metadata or, or if you are buying uh, keyword ads on Amazon or something, you might pop up and they might find you like that. But on your own website, they will never, ever find you. I mean, the, the, oh, no, the yeah. only way it, it's it's... It's working if you have an audience already and you have them all in emails and you can tell them, hey, go here and, and buy the book uh, if, if you want to support me because then uh, I'm, uh, you know, I don't, uh, I don't have to give a cut to Amazon. So yeah. in that way, and I think most most readers would love to support you in that way, so they would love to do that. But it requires that you have an audience already; otherwise, it's it's pointless. I would say. Yeah, it's not going to be a huge seller unless you already have people finding you and signing up and people you can tell about. And however that however you've managed that whether you have a massive Wattpad following and they'll they're hungrily waiting for your book and they will happily buy it from you directly or, you know, the mailing list and newsletter is definitely the easiest way of letting people know. You can go straight to your website. But definitely you have to have some things set up. Like I said, you need a domain. You need to know how to do this. Book funnel is really one of the best ways of, of handling the ebook file. And so, yeah, there's if you've got questions, you know, put them in the comments. But I found it really an exciting way of interacting and talking to readers and getting their support, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So my next one is, uh, well... It's essentially like another product that you can put on the market without actually having to do any work. So that's a good starting point, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a great starting point. I want to do this one. Yeah. Uh, and it's basically putting your the ebooks in your series together in one file and then release them as a box mm. set. So, of course, you could then say, well, that's not really another stream of income. You're just putting together existing products and, and creating a new product out of it. And that is correct. But actually, quite often, it's a different audience who reads box sets versus those who reads uh, individual ebooks. I don't know. Do you read box sets, Autumn? I tend to read individual ebooks, but I agree with you. All the statistics and this research has said that this is a completely different audience than people who goes and buys the individual books. So I think that's kind of interesting. And yeah, bundles are a fantastic way of dealing with books. 
Yeah, because I, and I think I'm one of these people myself because <laughs> I yeah. hate reading box sets. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's I don't I just don't like them, you know, because uh, there are so many pages in that file, and uh, when my I look at you know at the bottom of the Kindle screen, you have this percentage of how much you've completed. <laughs> it's and like, just like you read for two hours, it never and it moves. moves like one percent. <laughs> it's like oh my god, I'm never gonna get through it. You know, I like it when it, when it's like a normal novel, and and you read an hour and it moved two or three percent. It's like oh, okay, I'm making progress mm-hmm. here and I, I don't know it, it just it bugs me but then of course there are <laughs> other people who love the box sets and they they buy box sets so this it just makes the point right it's it's two different audiences mm-hmm. um and uh and this is just another way where you can earn some earn some extra income from products that you already created by just putting together them or put them together in a different way um but i would say if you want to release a box set please don't do it right after you release the final book in your series, you know, because mm. often often box sets will have to be cheaper than buying the books individually. Uh, and it's it's just not very cool if you, like, have people buy the last book of your series and then two weeks <laughs> later you release a box set, which is 40% less than the entire series to, uh, if you buy them one by or one. Or as much right? as so, one book, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's just <laughs> Buy not one cool, book right? or buy the lot of books. Yeah, no, I agree. you got to watch your pricing there that I've, I've seen box sets for like 99 cents and yet, you know, the individual books are three ninety nine, and that's just like, really? Yeah. So I'm, normally I would yeah, say... Yeah. Wait like six to twelve months before you release a box set after the final book in the series has has been gone out, and and then you can, then you can safely release a box set uh, and not worry about the pricing because at that point, your readers will have bought the books that they want to buy, and and enough time has passed that they won't be bucked about it. So uh, maybe just place a reminder for yourself like six to twelve months later to, uh, to make sure to create a box set out out of your series, and and then yeah. That's a good alternative income that requires absolutely nothing, almost, <laughs> almost nothing. Yeah, just some formatting and maybe a different cover so it stands yeah. apart slightly. Yeah, yeah, agree. All right. Well, mine's sort of along those lines. And another great source of income is actually turning your completed book into an audio book. So this is the audiobooks are becoming more and more popular, just like podcasts, because, you know, people have a lot more time to listen than they do to sit down and read and concentrate. Of course, I still prefer written books because I just am visual. I don't quite take in information the same when I only hear it. But that doesn't mean <laughs> audiobooks aren't fantastic for most other folks. So I think they're great. And I mean, I have most of my books in audio and it's it can be so much it's so exciting to actually hear your own books spoken by someone who actually knows what they're doing with their voice and create a very exciting um telling of what you've written so it's not something that isn't necessarily difficult there are platforms we've talked about them previously about how to do them um, but it can also, it's not necessarily free. The best way to do this is to have the money to invest so that you pay the narrator directly, but that can be quite a bit of money. I mean, a good narrator can be upwards of $300 per finished hour. There can be other ones who are a lot cheaper, like 50% or $50, but <laughs> you know, you're, you can be paying quite a lot to have your book narrated. And there's some good online conversions. I can tell you how many thousand words makes a finished um, hour of production. So you can kind of get out of budget and figure that out. 
And I won't say that this is going to net you, you know, a ton of money. I, from our, my experience and talking to a lot of other authors who are doing audiobooks, if your book is not selling fantastically as a written book, it's not necessarily going to be a breakout hit in audiobooks. So do consider that when you're figuring out, you know, how much to pay a narrator. And there are some options where you can do royalty shares. So if you really just want to get your feet wet, um, that is a good way of doing it. And I would also say it really helps that if you have a series, you want to go ahead and line up like the whole series with the same narrator. Wait until, you know, you get your audiobooks when you have all the books in your series written. So, you know, they have an incentive to listen to all the books. I know I've had comments when I released my first audiobook. And they're like, oh, it's great. I love it. I just so disappointed to think that the the other two books will never be done. I'm like, wait, <laughs> it takes time to do this. You know, you, but there is that idea that a lot of authors are getting their feet wet, dabbling in it to see if they like audiobooks um, and never are going to complete the series. So go and try to get it all. It, it's the same as producing and launching books. Same idea, same technique. A series is better launching them back to back. All that stuff holds true, but it is definitely another means. And it's a whole different, again, a whole, just like bundles. It's a whole different genre of people who are going to listen to your stories instead of read your stories. Yeah. So yeah, yeah consider that niche. Yeah, I fully agree. It's, it's, it's again, one of those things where it's a different audience. Um, but I would also say that it, unless you have some sales on, on your eBooks already, especially if you're going for the royalty share option, that part mm -hmm. becomes a bit difficult because I think in the earlier days, it uh, at least from <laughs> this is here, right? So I, I, I have not, I'm not talking from personal experience here in full transparency, but based on hearsay, mm -hmm. uh, I think in the earlier days, like, like years back, it was not that difficult to get narrators to do royalty shares on ACX. But mm -hmm. nowadays, they are getting really picky about what they want to narrate if it's on a royalty share. Most of them prefer to get paid up front. Uh, so, but oh, yeah. of course, if you have a lot of sales on your books already, then they will probably agree on a royalty share. But unless you can show to them that, hey, this book is selling really well, uh, then most likely, I think, at least those who knows what they're doing, the good ones, they will turn you down on a royalty share. So... I would honestly not spend too much time on trying to find one and hunt it down uh, unless you have good sales on, on the book already. Or if you can pay up front, then that's a good option. And then you can go ahead and do that. But uh, yeah. And, and even even then, I would probably still say that unless you unless the book is selling fairly well, you might never earn back the money you spend on your book because it's, it's still relatively expensive. Uh, maybe in three, mm -hmm. four, five years, Maybe there will be options where you can get robots to read it in, in a voice where you actually cannot hear the difference <laughs> from humans. I mean, I would not be surprised if that happens in, in the next five years or something. But until the production cost comes down, you do need to really consider if, I mean, the, the audiobook market is growing like crazy. So that's a good thing. But just making the jump just because the market grows like crazy might not be the best of ideas if you're never going to earn, earn back the money. So maybe the next one I can pick up on uh, that is about affiliate marketing. Uh, and basically this means that you're taking some time out to sell someone else's product in exchange for money. So 
as an example, um, Autumn and I only open the doors for our premium writing course twice a year. And uh, when we do, we are often offering a, an affiliate program. And I think if I remember correctly, last time we offered affiliate marketers $100 for each seat that they sold in the course. So there are also opportunities to sell products like this. So, you know, other products from other vendors. Um, so you can get a special affiliate link from the company who created that product. So imagine that you are using um, some sort of product yourself and then you are wanting to promote that product for whatever reason. Uh, you can then go and reach out to that company and say, hey, I would like to promote your product. Uh, and they will set it up if they do offer affiliate affiliate services, of course, they will set you up with an affiliate link that basically tracks everybody who then purchased their product through your personalized affiliate link. Uh, then it gets tracked and you get paid a commission, just like I mentioned that um, Autumn and I did last time when we had our uh, writing course uh, offered and we also paid affiliate commission to people who helped selling the, the course. So... Affiliate marketing does take some time, I would say. So you need to be mindful that you have to spend time promoting and get the, you know, get it, the word out there about the product that you're trying to sell. But it can be a nice way to supplement your income if you want. Especially, as I said, if it's a product that you're already using, then that's, that's a good option for you. So, uh, And one of my favorite uses of affiliate marketing is actually if you do have a website with your books, be an affiliate for your own books. <laughs> and yeah, of course. It, it's, it, yeah, it seems so subtle. But, um, you know, if you're going to direct people to Amazon from your website, it, you should be getting at least something back. It kind of adds up, you, you know, ups your royalty just a smidge. So it's definitely worth doing, uh, signing up, even if it's just for that. Yeah, yeah. So you can set up an affiliate account with Amazon. It, it, it's quite easy and takes no time and, and then generate affiliate links for, for your own books. Uh, but the key <laughs> is, the, like what Autumn just said, that the key is that you need to place those affiliate links on your own website. So exactly. if you, for example, are running Facebook ads or something, technically, yeah. I've, ne I've never heard Amazon cranking down on this, but technically you are not allowed to use an Amazon affiliate link in a Facebook ad because it has to come from your own website. Exactly. So, I've so even heard the same trick. thing with newsletters. Um, you know, with your newsletter, it's technically not supposed to be an affiliate link, though I do know some authors do do that, but it's supposed to only be from your own website, not from even your newsletters. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, yeah, so, so that's some that's another option for you to earn some extra money. Uh, so, it's essentially, if you have products you're already using and you like those products, that's that's a good option. Or if you have, you know, you're maybe you don't use the product, but you know the company and you feel comfortable, uh, you know, vouching for that company. So, why not try to earn a bit of income from that? Um, you probably want to look at. The, how much are they paying you to do the affiliate sales? Because as I said, it, it requires some time. So if you're earning like 
close to nothing <laughs> for for each yeah. sale, then that's not my, that might not be where you want to spend your time. But but for example, like like Autumn and I offered a hundred dollars last time uh, for everybody mm-hmm. who sold the seat in our course. That you know, if you sell just ten seats, that's that's a thousand bucks right there, right? So that's not too so shabby. That, <laughs> no, that's that's quite good. Uh, of course, again, it takes a bit of effort and time to to make those ten sales, but it's it's something that is possible and. Uh, of course, if if that is something you're interested in, in terms of uh, becoming an affiliate for our courses, then just join the Am Writing Fantasy Facebook group. So if you search for Am Writing Fantasy in the group section on Facebook, you will find us. And when and if we decide to offer more affiliate bounties in the future, we'll post it in that group. So when it becomes relevant, Absolutely. So that's an option for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a good one. And we love the help and we we treat our affiliates well. And so I get the last one and it's sort of playing off what we've been talking about before. If what you happen to be really, really, really good at is newsletters, getting people organized, getting a lot of readers active in your newsletter, and you start getting a newsletter that's getting into 20, 30, 50,000 readers, you can actually start selling spots instead of just like looking for newsletter swaps with other authors. You can say, Hey, I have 50,000 readers that they love fantasy and for five or $10, you know, I will feature your book. It's almost like what BookBub is doing, but just at a little bit of a lesser level. And there are some folks who are making some money off of their ability to organize readers and get the different genres together and be able to sell books. And if that happens to be something you're good at, you can sell that to other authors really easily because we're all looking for that, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So I think in general, we could say that, you know, as authors, you or as an author, you're running a business and it's just yeah. a smart business move to diversify your income <laughs> uh, because it just makes you less vulnerable for any future instances where something might happen that you didn't account for. So so that's the smart way of doing it. It is. And I mean, we there's things we didn't talk about. You and I had mentioned that, you know, we could mention, you know, selling your international rights, things like that. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other avenues that are out there. So once you start looking around for ways of diversifying your income, you'll be surprised at maybe what you can come up with and what you hadn't thought of and what other people are doing. Yep. So next Monday, if all goes well, at least I'll have a great guest on to talk about writing compelling heroes and villains. If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on Patreon.com slash AmWritingFantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday.